the SF Music Tech Summit, recorded live by Media One Audiovisual. To learn more about us, visit us online at MediaOneAudio.com. I'm David Downs. I'm an arts and technology journalist here in San Francisco. I write for The Chronicle and The Examiner. Uh, and we got Ryan Moran here from Slightly Stupid. Can everybody give him a warm round of applause? Hello. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks. Thanks for coming down today and sticking around till the end. So uh, just in case you don't know, Slightly Stupid is a rock, reggae, kick-ass band from San Diego. They've been around for about 10 years. They've sold about a million albums cumulatively. They've put out six studio albums, and uh, there's seven of them. So, uh, you know, when you think about taking a band on tour all over the world, think about taking seven of them and, and realize how much that might cost and how successful these guys are. They've played before Lollapalooza, you know, and, and headlined, uh, you know, uh, shows as, as much as 25, 35,000 people. Sure, yeah. Um, so tomorrow, Slightly Stupid is in San Rafael with Bob Weir at TRI Studios, and you're basically, what, opening sort of the show? Yeah, we're basically going to be playing with Bob tomorrow. Um, I understand Bob was doing a panel here shortly, uh, actually just a little while ago. And uh, yeah, we're going to be jamming with Bob. Uh, we've got a bunch of other guests that will be on that show, and it's a, a live webcast stream. It's a $10 uh, donation. And uh, we have a couple charities we're giving that money to. It's uh, Save the Children and the World Food Program. So all the proceeds are going directly to, that, um, to those two charities. And uh, we're thrilled to be uh, playing with Bob. It's an honor. Yeah. Uh, uh, Slightly Stupid finishes their uh, seedly, Seedless Summer Tour uh, in the next couple of days mm -hmm. and gets ready to record uh, their next seventh studio album, uh, I believe, earlier next year, right? Yeah, we've been, uh, we've been on the road a good amount this summer. We've been all over the U.S. Uh, doing some festivals as well as uh, headlining dates with uh, a band from Santa Barbara called Revolution and uh, also another act ca called Shwayze, uh from Malibu. And, uh, yeah, we just basically did a, a lap all over the U.S. doing uh, venues between five to 20,000. So. so when I hear about a band that's been around for 10 years and 17, put out... actually. 17. Yeah. Uh, you know, put out, um, you know, six records and toured all around the world and are still together and are making a living. And most, most importantly, like a band that's not necessarily something that's going to be pushed really hard on, on Top 40 radio or is going to be the next sort of hit like thing like a lady gaga type thing i think about how technology was supposed to create a new middle class of musicians uh that weren't necessarily beholden to the star system but could put foot put food on their table and play the music they want to play and I, I guess um you know that's easy for me to say as a journalist but as as my you know as as my perception of one of those bands do you consider yourself part of this new emerging middle class facilitated by tech absolutely yeah we've been uh embracing the uh, tech movement, obviously, since it, its inception. And uh, we've, we've done the best we can to use um, different web platforms as ways to promote and market ourselves and uh, also keep ourselves relevant um, on a touring front because that's kind of where we make our, uh, our bread and butter, so to speak, on our living is basically uh, off live shows and touring. Um, as file sharing has changed and things, it's not really... Uh, the focal point for musicians isn't necessarily going platinum anymore. It's about connecting with your fans on uh, different web platforms and, and getting out there and promoting live shows and marketing and things like that. So, so you joined the band in 2000. I joined in 03. 03? Yeah. Um, were you a file sharer then? Are you a file sharer now? Do you endorse that lifestyle? So yeah, I do, actually. Um, for me, it was always just about getting ex exposure to bands that um, 
that I had never learned about. And, you know, now you have other, other things, uh, other programs that offer that, like Pandora and a couple other different programs where you can, you know, experience new music via the streaming. And, if, and I've always been the type of, you know, I'm a music nerd. You know, I grew up listening to music. I, I majored in music in, in college at San Diego State and actually grew up here in San Rafael and um, went to school at San Rafael High School. And um, so, yeah, it was always sort of a, a very important thing for me to learn about new music, and, and, you know, file sharing was always a big part of that. And have you seen people steal your music, come to your shows, and buy your records uh, as it panned for. out, you know, leaving that nickel on the table, so to speak? That's what we've been hoping for. Um, you know, we were an act that were, was based on, we've, we've based our living on touring um, since the beginning, and uh, we had never been Platinum Act. We had never been, you know, a huge... Um, selling uh, a record or, or tape or CD selling act. It's always been uh, about a live performance. And so for us, the web, uh, the web was a way for us to sort of promote our shows. And by us streaming music and, and giving some music away, we hope to entice the uh, fans to come see the live performance, which is the focal point. You're, you're so busy touring now, and you get such bad cell phone reception all over the country. <laughs> how, how do you... Do you still get a chance to listen to new music, be exposed to it? How does that happen for you now that you're sort of on the other side than sort of file share? Um, Are you still you know, going at home and bit torrenting all the new albums? Or? You know, I'm not as much. I usually just go off of uh, recommendations that, you know, friends and, and my managers and, and other guys, hey, check this band out or check this, you know, this other band. And then mm-hmm. I kind of dive in. And hopefully, uh, for me, it's, a, it's the make or break thing is a live performance. If I like the band live... Um, the CD or, or their, the MP3 or whatever the file is, is, is always secondary to the live show. Mm-hmm. Um, is, like, a lot of people think that the, you know, selling records is really hard to do. It's all the money is sort of on the road. Um, has that been the case for Sightly Stupid? Is, is that what kept you guys on the road? Um, I think just passion for music is what's kept us doing um, what we've been doing. Um, we had the opportunity to go with some major labels and, and go kind of... Uh, go that route or decided we actually decided to stay grassroots and uh, maintain ownership of all our masters and basically have full creative control instead of giving that away to someone, you know, in a high rise somewhere. And that's worked out. Yeah, it's, it's been great for us. You know, like I said, using the web as, as sort of a platform for marketing promotion, um, sort of even the playing field out um, between, you know, the uh, do-it-yourselfer, so to speak, and the, the high-profile household name acts do you ever has as the drummer do you get to just focus on being the drummer do you ever have to be involved in technology decisions or how you're branding yourself or all these other things that a lot of musicians are doing on their own now? to a point uh we're fortunate to have a great management team uh silverback management has been uh instrumental in, in keeping the the tech decisions together for us um we are on the road typically six to seven months out of the year um for, since I've been a part of the group for a little over eight years. So wow. our heads are spinning all the time. And um, typically, it's, there's kind of a, a phone call. Hey, can you approve this? Can you approve that um, in terms of you know, tech, tech things? And Gotcha. So what makes uh, life easier on the road? What type of phone do you use? And do you love it? I have an iPhone 4. I do love it. Um, <laughs> I just got it. Um, and yeah, I've been using like the Around Me app a lot. Um, of course, Pandora has been huge. Um, got a couple metronomes and a couple little, you know, musical gadgets on my phone as well. Just, you know, if I'm stuck in the airport somewhere, that's been, um, you know, fun to just kind of noodle around on. Huh. And, uh, yeah, it's, I definitely love the iPhone. It's cool. 
you know, a lot of lot of bands aren't even in the same place anymore. You look at like uh, Narls Barkley, where sort of they just they they traded files across the internet to put together their albums. Do you guys use technology to record beyond time and space, or do you always want to get together and record in the same space? And is, is um, we actually use we actually do both old school, so to speak, where we're all in the same room making music together. Or if someone has an idea that they can they can record at their home nowadays, you can record some music you know, via an inbox or Pro Tools or whatever your medium. And uh, as long as you have that on an external hard drive, you can carry that hard drive or, or mail that hard drive across the country or around the world. Okay. And someone could, you know, add their input. We have done, we did some stuff like that um, on an album that we released in 2007 called Cronchitis with Guru. And um, he was in, I, I think he was in Philly at the time. And uh, we wanted to collaborate on a track. And we were basically mailing hard drives back and forth and, or back and forth. And he was sending us his version of a tune and we were sending it back you know our edit our version and then we were kind of meeting in the middle somewhere so doing this for uh as long as you have with this band you've seen things change since uh 2003 mm -hmm. uh what has been the biggest changes i mean imagine you watch basically the record industry collapse i mean that's right. what a lot of people would think um, but out on the road how has slightly stupid stupid's operations changed and adapted over time uh, I think we've been, like I said, we've embraced the web as sort of a, a marketing tool. And, and, of course, the YouTubes, the Pandoras, the, um, the various platforms that are available now to, to artists to get their music out to sort of their niche audience or their target audience, so to speak, has been sort of instrumental in, I think, our growth, as well as Facebook, of course, and MySpace and things like that, some of the social networks, um, just as a way of getting our music out to people that... Um, maybe a fan of a band of similar genre of a similar genre or something like that and we can um sort of target them as as a potential fan of our band and so we were able to use that as a as a positive thing is it ever a pain in the ass i mean you don't have a personal twitter why not um i like my privacy you know what i mean <laughs> but uh we do have a band account so we we, we do chime in on that as well <laughs> i mean do you mind if i ask who runs the band account um, we chime in, but we have some guys <laughs> in the office that take care of most of the day to day for that. Is there? I mean, I gotta. You know, I'm always hunting for conflict as a journalist. Is there ever a point where the band goes, "We wouldn't say that," and they call the manager and say, "Take that off Twitter"? Not really. We don't. We don't. We're not like nitpicky like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're kind of too busy traveling most <laughs> of the time to really slow down enough to like analyze all the stuff that's going on. So. What do you want from today's technologists? Do you just want a really advanced holograph system so you can stay in your house and play <laughs> the world? Or I mean, No, not necessarily. What are the friction points, so to speak, in the band in, in terms of using tech? Um, you know, that's a good question. I mean, for us, it's, like I said, we have embraced it since the beginning. In terms of friction points, I guess you could, you could lose some of the human element, of course. Um, you know, going the, the direction of, of, you know, like webcasts and things like that. Yeah. Um, for us, we've always been like a live band. We, we, need that, we need humans in the building to come watch our show, and that's always going to be sort of our bread and butter and our main thing. So I think that might be one of the, uh, one of the downsides, potentially, is just the loss of human, the human element, you know. Definitely. Um, tell me who's going to be on your next record. Uh, we got a couple guests on our next record. Um, G-Love from G-Love and Special Sauce, uh, Barrington Levy, Don Carlos, a couple reggae uh, vocal vocalists, legendary cats. Um, hopefully a couple other, couple other players. We've got Charlie Tuna from Ozo Motley um, will be on the next record. So a pretty uh, eclectic group. And then, you know, you said you grew up in San Raf. Were, mm -hmm. were you a deadhead? I was. Were, yeah, were, I was. Were you a 
tape trader, as it were? My sister was full on. Like, she would travel and, and go see all the shows. She was at the Warfield and Fillmore and, and you know, Great American Music Hall, seeing Jerry and all, all them. And um, so I, I definitely got a lot of that um, by default. And uh, my oldest sister was also full on Dead Kennedys, like, gnarly punk rock um, fan. So I kind of had a pretty, pretty broad uh, exposure of uh, musicians here locally. So... Do you really feel like technology has democratized music and anybody can listen to whatever they want now? Or absolutely, old? yeah, yeah. I think at the you know at the click of a mouse or whatever, um, you know, you can you can find music more readily, more instantaneously, which is obviously the the benefit of the uh, development of the web and things. And do you make any money off ringtones? Um, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But touring mainly still. I mean, yeah. Okay. Ringtones aren't aren't supporting us, but I mean it's a good supplement, I guess, you know. Did anybody have any audience questions? Go ahead. Just shout. I'm Michael Ashburn. I'm an entertainment lawyer. I'm actually the attorney for Del the Funky Homo Sapien that's cool. going out with you guys cool. a we number of times. You know, in fact, well. he was here uh, at, the, at the San Francisco Music Summit the last today? time they had oh. it. No, not today. Last. He's been sick. Unfortunately, missed that tour. Oh. You guys were on. But I'm just curious about a couple of things. One, uh, knowing how much you tour, I'm sure the opportunity to sell merchandise has to be a big piece of your income. So how do you handle the uh, management of that, of the tour merchandise? And uh, that's the first piece. Uh, the second piece is, what have you learned, how have you learned to tour so that it becomes easier on the band in terms of, like, you do it so much, you know, what kind of techniques have you adopted? Do you have a bus? Do you, I mean, what do you do to sort of make it a little easier uh, over the years, uh, you know, based upon your, your experiences? How have you tweaked it so that it makes a little bit more sense for you? Sure, sure. Can I answer that one first? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Basically, um, you know, we, we started out in the van, and the band was in the van for... I don't know, 10 years, um, and it wasn't easy. I mean, we'd be driving through snowstorms and things like that into Colorado, playing all the ski towns and Aspen and, and Vail and Snowmass and all these different places. And um, now that we've had a little more success and, and have grown a good amount, um, we've been able to obviously upgrade to you know tour buses, sometimes two or three for the bigger tours where we can afford a little more. Um, and of course, we're flying all over the place as well, which has made it a lot easier. Um, you know, when you're driving six to eight hours every day and then you have to drag your gear in, set up, play the show, tear down, you know, get back to the hotel, grab, you know, five, six hours sleep. You're doing the whole next thing the next day. It's, it's not glamorous, you know, and um, definitely spent the first, you know, 15, 16 years of my, of my touring life that way. And um, it, it, was, it was a good learning experience, um, but I'm happy where, where things are now where we're able to, you know, fly and, and do the bus thing. It's just gotten a lot easier. Um, that's also helped as the profile has grown as well. Um, in terms of merch, uh, we have, we outsource, we have a merch company called Cinderblock. Cinderblock. And they basically help us um, uh, take care of, they help us take care of product order and, and make sure we're up to date and drop ship and make sure we have uh, the merch necessary. But that, is, that has been a, a solid uh, income stream for us over the years. As the shows have gotten bigger, so have the numbers of merch sales as well. That brings Thanks. up one great question I had, which is, uh, in, under the modern paradigm, you're supposed to tour until you die. Right. Like, uh, there's, <laughs> there's going to be no royalties left for you. It's right. basically, how, how, are you ready to do that? Tour until you, know, you die. I've been doing that. Um, I'm 35 years old, so I've, I've been touring, I can honestly say, since I was about 17 years old. 
um, with different bands and stuff. And um, I don't want to be on the road forever, of course, um, just because it is grueling. And uh, but I am I'm not married. I don't have any kids, and that's made it a lot easier. A lot of a lot of guys that um, you know I've I grew up with and stuff basically just got sick of it, wanted to slow down. Um, because you know when you're when you're building a career like this um, that that is now based on touring, like you mentioned, um, you, you have to be out there as much as possible, and that means being away from your friends and family and loved ones. And so it's it's a there is a harder, uh, less glamorous side to to being on the road that much. And just um, real fast, it seems like you use tech to get to this middle class level where you want normal things like a home and a kids totally. and, and a family and that. And so. That's really the new challenge for slightly stupid is how to be adults. How to transition? How, yeah, I mean, when we were kids in our twenties, we were just going off, and I mean, we still go off, but <laughs> <laughs> we were going off a little harder. And um, now that we're, you know, we're like I said, we're in our mid thirties. Most of the guys and um, some of the guys have families now, like I said, and and just wanting that normalcy. You know, after having your head spin for ten or twelve or fifteen years, you just you want to be home and hang out with your dog and, and be with your girlfriend and have some food and not be, you know, catching a plane or stuck in an airport somewhere or going through customs and, you know, just kind of the downside of, of, of touring and, you know, the reality side is that you're, you're literally traveling sometimes 12, 13 hours to play a one hour, one hour set to fly 12 hours back home the next day. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that would be, uh, that's definitely, hopefully, in our in our in our future here as we start transitioning into uh, more normal normal <laughs> lifestyles. You know, great. Well, that's really what I wanted to touch on for uh, this audience. If anybody else has any any more questions, go ahead and raise your hand. Okay. Thanks. Thank you all. Thanks. Thanks.